welcome, and thank you for listening to Waypoint Community Church Podcasts. We hope you enjoy. We are finishing a series this morning, uh, but before that, I want to look forward to Easter just a little bit. It's late this year, which gives us a few opportunities to do some things. So in the next two weeks, we're going to do a, a weekend where we're going to look at something that Jesus did around that time in Jerusalem that the Romans did, but he did it in a really different way. And if you don't understand what the Romans did, you don't understand what Jesus was doing to make a point. So we're going to try to put all of that into context because it's pretty cool. On April 14th, we're going to do a Passover meal. We've done uh, one last year. We're going to take all the rows of chairs out. We're going to fill the place with tables. This is done at tables. And we're going to have a meal with each other where um, there's all kinds of symbolism. There's all kinds of stuff that can set your mind towards Easter. And we're excited about doing that. I think we didn't announce it last year. So we're telling people about it this year. So I would come on time if you want to get a table because I think it will be packed out. I think it will be uh, something that you'll want to be a part of. And I hope you'll do that. This morning, uh, we're going to finish up our series called Life Hacks. We've been looking at small truths that make a big difference in your life. They uh, save you from headaches and wrecks that you could experience. And as part of each uh, one of these weeks, we've gone out and we've grabbed from social media a little life hack that we think could be helpful for you to, that sometimes lined up with a topic. I can tell you we're not doing that this morning because the topic is sex and sexuality. And there was no way I was going to Google that, right? <laughs> and then there, probably whatever came up, there was no way I was going to show that. that. It's the Wild West out there. And uh, we didn't want to kind of introduce that into here. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three truths that I think could make a big difference in your life in this area. And if I were honest, I would tell you, I'm a little disappointed. I, I, I felt like I had to prepare in a very specific way because I, I've become convinced that the culture does not trust God's word on this. They assume when God speaks that either he's got ulterior motives to control you, to kill your fun, to, or it's just old-fashioned and it's not worth listening to. And um, that's disappointing to me because the heart of God in this is that he desperately loves you, and the reason he's given instruction, the reason he's saying what he says, is for protection for you. It's out of a deep love for you. But because that can't be seen, uh, sometimes what you need is like some other evidence. And so what I did is I went out, and I found all kinds of studies that have been done. I looked at surveys that are happening in people's lives right now. These are people who are self-reporting. There are people who are doing it God's way. There are people who are not doing it God's way. And I think you'll be shocked. I won't be, I guess. I, know the, I think you'll be surprised at what the facts say. And here's why I'm a little disappointed by that. I think sometimes the weight of those studies will carry more influence for you than what God had to say. And I would hope that wouldn't be the case because he desperately loves you. And he wants to find a way to engage your life in a meaningful way. What those studies are going to show is that basically you reap what you sow. Another way to say that is you live a certain way and it produces outcomes. And those outcomes are becoming very evident right now in our culture. They're easy to study. They're easy to look at and say, this is what's happening when you do this. Uh, probably when it comes to sex and sexuality, 
it's no stretch to say this is one of those areas that you cannot escape the consequences. Dirty tissues, trust issues Glasses on the sink that didn't fix you Lonely pillows in a stranger's bed Little voices in my head Secret keeping, stopped the bleeding Lost a little weight because it wasn't eating All the souls that I can listen to To tell the truth Loving you was young and wild and free Loving you was cool and high and sweet. Loving you was sunshine, safe and sound, a steady place to let down my defenses. But loving you had consequences. Hesitation, awkward conversation, running on low expectation. Every siren that I was ignoring, I'm paying for. Loving you was young and wild and free. Loving you was cool and high and sweet. Loving you was sunshine, safe and sound, a steady place to let down my defenses. But loving you had consequences. senses Cause loving you had consequences It's an incredible song I don't know if you caught the words of that early. Uh, a, a lady sang this song initially, so I'm going to refer to it as a she, not to insult him, but that's what's in my mind. Um, when she said um, those early verses, she said uh, words like, it was cool, it was hot, it was sweet. But um, the problem is, you can't escape the consequences and towards the end of the song, she changes it and said it was dumb, it was dark, it was cheap. That it would take shots at her heart for a really long time and, um, and that it was going to cost her. 
right? Incredible song. That's one of the most accurate pictures I've heard from our culture when it comes to sex and sexuality because the stories that are being told otherwise are that it's no big deal. It's, a, it's a fun, it's a joke, people make light of it, and, and it's, it's not. You may be wondering why in the world we're talking about it. Oh, it's doing it again. Did it all last service. We thought we'd fixed it. It's me. Um, I'm not taking the mic off because I'd have to hold my hand, and I talk with my hand, so you're going to have to just deal with popping, okay? Um, where were we? Hold on. Sometimes I use my brain and sometimes I use my notes. Oh, here it is. Why are we talking about this? It's kind of important, right? God created sex. He has a purpose for it. It was meant to be great. And unfortunately, what happens is it gets short-circuited in our culture and it's leading to all kinds of problems. So I'm hoping to find a way to talk to you about what's true and, and I'll... I just want to stop and just say this real quick. I'm also very aware that in this area of our lives, people have made a lot of mistakes. A lot of um, choices that were not good and you've looked back on and you still carry regret for that. My goal here is not to stir that stuff up and to let you sit in a bunch of shame and guilt. Everything that I read about the scriptures is Jesus came so that he could offer you forgiveness from that, unload that stuff from you, allow you to move past that so that you could live the life you were always intended to live. That's who I'm with. I'm with God on this. I'm not intending to find a way to heap on any level of guilt or shame. But I do want to tell you what's true. And I think I can find a way to do that without making you feel guilty and ashamed. At least I hope I can. Um, we're going to do that by looking at three truths. Uh, the one is going to just start simply by asking you this question. Have you ever heard uh, people say, sex sells? Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. I've heard it so often, I can't remember how many times. It happens a lot, and it makes you wonder what people are thinking. Like, why do they think they can sell and use sex and make this work out. Well, I think most of us are at least aware, I hope most of us are at least aware, that when you buy a product, it doesn't transform you from average Joe into Fabio, right? You know that's not happening. You, you know when you spray on Axe body wash, you don't become irresistible to women. Are you clear on that? When you buy the thing from Victoria's Secret, you're not suddenly an angel. We all know that, all right? I'm trusting that we know that. I think the vast majority of people know that. So the question is then, why do they say sex sells? Because it works. They've done a lot of studies on this. And here, you're going to be surprised by this. It works on men. You were shocked by that, right? And women. It works on both. And they're doing it for one simple thing that they've discovered, that we should already know and be aware of, but because I think we're not, we're not careful with this. All they need to do is capture your attention for a little bit longer to make that ad work worthwhile. 
By the way, it doesn't work with everything. <laughs> if it becomes apparent and blatant that you're using sex to sell, it doesn't work. So financial service companies tried to use sex to sell, it fell flat. Alcohol, health and beauty, um, clothes, all of those use it to, their, to the extreme and it's effective because they keep you focused on the ad for longer than you would look at another ad and that's enough for them to influence you to make choices and decisions. They know stuff that we should know. Here, it's just a small thing. You should put this in the back of your mind. You understand that God's enemies don't need to wreck you in one moment. All they need to do is catch your attention and hold it long enough to get a foothold in your life. It's why Jesus says this to his disciples. This is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. He says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. <laughs> what? Yeah, this is spoken to guys, but this is not just a guy thing. This is about a human thing. This is about the stuff that you choose to let inside that reshapes your heart, that reshapes your mind, that reshapes the way you act. And there's a warning. Hey, be careful what you look at. I, I've had a lot of conversations about sex and sexuality over the years with different people. And a lot of people approach it like a spectrum. A lot of middle school and high schools, but if I'm being honest, a lot of adults do too. And they say, okay, here it is. Here's sexuality. And right here is, um, so here's looking, and then here's hand-holding, and then here's kissing, and then here's this. And they say, I want to know how much of this I can do before I get down to here at intercourse and cross the line that God would be unhappy with. How much can I do? That's the question they ask. It's a terrible question. The question should be, how can I honor God? Where does he set the boundary? When he sets the boundary, I'll pay attention to that. Where does he set the boundary? Oh, my word, he sets it all the way back here at what you look at. Why? Why would he set the measure all the way here at what you look at? Because he understands something about sexuality that we all know. We all know this to be true. Sexuality and sex has momentum. You start one thing and it wants to draw you forward to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And it has the ability to progress you along, pull you along, to do things that you never thought you would consider or do. Drawn to stuff because it has momentum all its own. And if it can draw you in, it can take you to places that you, you won't enjoy. And all it is is just catching your eye and holding your attention long enough to plant something inside you. It's why advertisers use it. It's why you see it in movies and ads. But I'll tell you, it's gone off the hook. Like it's, it's crazy where it's happening um, right now in our culture, and that's in the area of pornography. And, and this is the place, this is the place where people will look at me and say, what's the harm? I'm not hurting anyone, I'm just looking. Listen, listen, listen. You're hurting you. And until you realize that, you're setting yourself up for consequences that you will not like in the end. 
You will not like what happens. And this, this addiction that is forming is starting to really mess with people. Do you want to know how bad it is? There are non-Christian groups, these are not followers of Jesus, who are pleading with people in our culture to stop viewing pornography. And they've, they've even come out with a list of reasons. These are people who don't follow Jesus. Listen to what they said. They've been able to determine that viewing pornography changes your brain chemistry. It lights up the same places that cocaine addiction does. And you're setting yourself up to be drug along a path. It says it desensitizes you to the opposite sex. You start taking people for granted. They're just an object to you. And they're starting to see, I'm going to talk about this, but they're starting to see this on college campuses in a big way. Desensitizing. They said it's creating expectations in people that are so out of control that nobody can meet them, and so relationships are falling apart because nobody can meet these oversized expectations with regard to sex and sexuality. And then the last one is scary. But it's true because sex has momentum. It will eventually spill over into your actions. It does. It becomes deadened, that experience that you're just viewing, and you want more, and you want more, and you want more. You know... I bet you a lot of you had the same experience that I did. When I was young, I would leave the house in the morning. I would see my parents at meals, and they would say to me, be back before dark. Did anybody else have that kind of experience? Was that you? Yeah. Let me ask you this. How many of you would be terrified to put your kids out on the street for that long without supervision these days? How many? Yeah. Why is that? We've had a generation who's run rampant on pornography. Honestly, it is moving them from just viewing to action. And if you're not careful to guard your own, they're willing to act on the stuff that they've been seeing. And, and groups who are not following Jesus are wise enough to see this and looking at, at the culture as a whole and saying, you got to stop. This is taking us to places that we don't want to go. Can I just tell you, God said this a long time ago. He said, man, you ought to put your boundary back here, all the way back here. Um, it is so bad. The college campuses are now reporting um, there are large chunks of guys and girls who've lost the ability to connect with each other because of all of the stuff that they put into their lives, the outcomes are they don't know how to relate with each other on a normal basis. And they're trying to solve it through counseling. They're the same organizations who are coming out and saying, please stop viewing this stuff. It's destroying you. Now, um, sexuality has momentum. It starts with the eyes. What in the world are you to do? Because I... Tracy and I were on vacation in Vegas, and we were walking down the strip, and I would say to Tracy, did you see that? <laughs> right? And most of the time, she would say, no, why did you? Right? And then one time, she was like, did you see that? And I was like, yes, but I wasn't going to say anything, because every time I've said something, you've pointed out. And, but... 
um, it just caught your eye, right? How in the world are you supposed to avoid that? You can't go in a mall. You can't turn the TV on. You can't, you can't do whatever right now in our culture without having your eye drawn. So what do we do? Uh, something that um, has helped me, it's been, it's been the place that I've wanted to put the battle. And I'm grateful that God kind of introduced this to me early. I was a teenager when I was reading through um, the scriptures, looking at a guy's life that God had said, I think he's blameless. I, I was fascinated by that. I still am fascinated by that. That he had lived a life in such a way that God thought he had a life that was worth pointing out. And so I was reading about Job's life. I was curious, what is, he, what is he doing? How is he thinking about this stuff? And I came across this, and it's become a thing um, that I use in my own life. This is in Job 31, verse 1. This is Job speaking. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young girl, young woman. He said... I'm going to make a choice to not use my eyes all the way back here. I'm going to draw my boundary here. And that impressed me. And so I've tried. Here's the, here's the rule that I've tried to use for me because it, stuff catches my eye. But I've determined that the second look is where the problem starts. If I see it, that's one thing. If I go back to it, that's a completely different. If I descend to decide to pause and hesitate and stare, I'm, I'm choosing something that I'm going to need to ask forgiveness for. I'm doing something that's going to introduce things into my life that could change my thoughts, stir up fantasies. Listen, you want to keep the fight on what you look at because once you let it in, the stuff that gets stirred up in you will come out of you at times that you don't get to choose. Thoughts, memories, ideas, Fantasies pop into your head in the randomest places. And that's exactly what God's enemies are looking for. They're just looking for an opening to put this stuff at the core of who you are. And it will make a mess of your life. It will make a mess of your life. So here's what we're going to say. Um, this is the hack. Be careful with your eyes Guard your eyes. What you look at matters. And if you don't have a boundary there that you've got in place, you should reevaluate what you're doing because this has the ability through momentum to take you to places you would never want to go. Guard your eyes. Second one, uh, the scriptures, when they talk about sex, have it embedded in marriage everywhere. And again, I just... Just pause for a second. Um, not attempting to lay a level of judgment on you, uh, but I am going to tell you what's happening because of this. And God is a God of forgiveness. He wants to redeem the situations that you've been in. He wants you to forget. If he's already forgiven you, he doesn't want you to bring it up again. He's done with that. He's okay. He's okay with you. But here's the thing. We're making a lot of mistakes in this area because the culture has come to us and said, if you're smart, if you're wise, what you'll do is you'll try it out for a while before you actually get married. Move in. 
sleep with each other, do all of that stuff, it'll be better off for the relationship if you know if you're compatible. But here's the problem. Here's why that doesn't work. Um, when you look at the scriptures, uh, by the way, Genesis 2.24 talks about how um, we are to leave father and mother and have one flesh. Leviticus talks about um, how we're to be engaged in marriage. There's all kinds of scripture that deal with this. But it's referencing this idea that what um, sex is meant to be in is a much greater relationship, a big relationship. It's why you see um, books out there being written um, that say sex begins in the kitchen. Well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've heard, except it's right. Because what they're saying is how you treat each other throughout the day ends up showing up in that relationship with sexuality. And sexuality, um, when it's put outside of a greater relationship, has the ability to short-circuit all of the effort that you would put into developing the relationship. It gives you a, a sense of closeness that doesn't actually exist because you haven't been committed and working at this bigger relationship that sex is embedded in. When it's embedded in this relationship, it ends up being this thing that enhances the relationship, allows you to communicate a different level of love, but it doesn't replace all of those other things. In fact, you, if you have a poor relationship, you'll still have a poor sex life. But here's what they're finding. I'm just going to give it to you straight up. That these are studies that they've come up with that look at people who are choosing to listen to the culture's message that just live with each other. It would be better. It would be better. Just listen. People who are choosing to do that have higher divorce rates, significantly higher divorce rates. And I think that's happening because they believe the relationship is at a different level because of the sexual component than it actually is. And they haven't dealt with developing the relationship that would allow that, that um, couple to survive. And so they get into it. They think everything's good. Stuff falls apart. Higher divorce rates. Two, higher poverty rates. Like off the chart. This has been going on for a while. In 2012, the New York Times ran an article that was titled, Two Classes Divided by I Do. And what they've started to notice is that when a couple chooses to get married, they're developing that greater relationship. They're developing common goals. They're developing, um, they have a common budget. They're working together um, to accomplish this sort of stuff. And without marriage, and they're just together, those components are missing, and it's leading to decisions and choices that keep the family in poverty. Th this was uh, uh, another uh, big study on this was completed in 2018, and they went so far as to say this. This is the boldest thing I've ever heard. They said, if you care about social justice in this country, you'll advocate for marriage because it's, being, it's that big of a difference in people's lives. Marriage creates this stability in people who are engaged, like in just living together and going through that process are not getting the same kind of bang for their buck that God intended through marriage. Okay? Last one, and this might surprise you. Um, people who choose to live together are less sexually satisfied than people who are in a married monogamous relationship. 
This has been true for the 15 plus years that I've been watching all of these surveys. They do them every year where they uh, do a survey of what's going on in the U.S. Every year, married couples who are monogamous report the most satisfying sexual relationships and everybody else is lower. Why? Because it's embedded in a bigger relationship. And that bigger relationship is part of a story that's going on in their lives. And it's a component that feeds into that, that fills it. And when it's outside of marriage, what happens is people start taking and giving pleasure from each other, but they're not serving each other. They're not respecting each other. It's not from the same source of love that comes from marriage. And self-reporting, these are people who are on their own reporting that the way the culture has offered you as an option for living is less satisfying, is not getting it done. So here's the hack. You want great sex? Get married. No joke. Embed it inside the relationship it was always intended to be in, where you're deeply loving and caring for another person, and that becomes a component of that not a standalone thing that you're experiencing. Great sex, great relationship, guard your eyes. Uh, the last one, uh, we thought, uh, okay, if, if uh, God intended sex to be in marriage, is there anything going on inside of marriage that might be causing problems? And a lot, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of hiccups in relationships. People make jokes all the time. Like, if you, if you want to stop having sex, just get married. Turns out the surveys, that's not true. But there are... There are issues that happen within marriage that are sometimes difficult to solve. Um, we were talking about this as a staff, and I was kind of asking people to give me some ideas about what we needed to tackle, and uh, Mitchell spoke up, and I thought, Mitchell should share this. <laughs> and so I'm going to ask Mitchell to come up and give you a little thing that he's, um, what, a life hack? Yeah. A yeah, life hack. <clears throat> All right, excuse me, I got a cold. Um, but yeah, we were talking about this in staff meeting, and I think the real reason Blair asked me to do this is because I kind of have proof that this is working. My wife happens to be pregnant right now, so like that's, that's exciting, right? But no, my, my life hack is, is very simple, and it's put the phone away. Um, I think we're in an area where this has everything we need to keep ourselves interested, to keep ourselves occupied, to keep our focus, and by putting the phone away... Um, we're telling our spouse, whether it's our wife or our husband, that you matter and you are who I want to focus on. So, and it's not easy because some of us, we take our work home or we need that distraction after a long stressful day where we just need to be, we just need to go mindless for a little bit and look, scroll through Instagram or play a game, whatever it is. But if you can commit to just even a half hour a day of putting your phone away or video games or whatever, whatever your distraction is, putting that away and just focusing on your spouse it's, it's going to translate to the bedroom as well. Yeah, I'm never going to get rid of my phone, right? I, um, it, it's a really helpful and useful tool for me. But Brigham Young University just finished a study on this, and they've actually labeled, they've given it a name, technoference. And they said it's starting to have a real detrimental effect on married couples. And why is this a concern? Because if where sex is embedded is in the greater relationship, if the greater relationship starts to deteriorate, 
then it starts to have an impact on that. And what they're finding is that people are so enamored with their devices, it's starting to trump sex, starting to go out the window. And, um, and they said, look, this is, it's starting to, not just there, it's showing up there, which is shocking, but it's starting to deteriorate the whole relationship. And it may be that you're going to have to draw boundaries. I mean, Tracy and I have been kissing before, and the phone rang, and we were like, excuse me, i got to go get my phone. That, that, this is probably messed up. We, maybe we'll get that later should have been the idea, but that wasn't because when my phone rang, I ran to it like a little dog, right? Pavlo's dog. There's going to have to be some boundaries. Um, what God had in mind was that you would have a great relationship, and in the last 10 years, uh, these devices are starting to be the thing that starts to erode the relationship that will have effect on your sex life as well. So here's, here's the deal. Here's the three hacks for the morning. Guard your eyes. What you look at matters. If, if, uh, if you're wanting to have sexual relationships or you're living with somebody, you ought to consider getting married. It, ta- it just takes it to the different level. If you want to have the most satisfying sex, you're going to have to be married to experience that. It's where God created it to be, embedded in that relationship. And if you have a relationship, pay attention to that relationship. Otherwise, it will start impacting even your sex life. Um, just want to end just by saying, I want you to know what's true. We're being sold a bill of goods by a culture who believes that um, you can short-circuit this stuff and still be okay. But the outcomes are very clear at this point. And if you decide to go at it a different, a different route, you're going to have some, me- some messes, some wrecks, some headaches on your hands. Which God can forgive and God can heal and God can move you on from. But if you could avoid it, it would be better. But if you haven't, if you find yourself in that place, don't hear from me a tone of judgment against you, of looking down on you, of trying to heap some shame on you. I just want you to seriously look at where this could end up going in your life and ask yourself, do you want those kind of outcomes? And if not, you're going to have to put yourself in line with the way God has talked about this. I hope you'll seriously process it and think about that. Will you pray with me? God, I know this is a risky conversation to have because the church has not always done this well and there's been so much judgment that's been communicated with this that it's sometimes hard for people to hear what you say, hear what you think without attaching judgment to it. But God, what you said, the boundaries that you've given, you've done so because you love us. They're there to protect us. And we live in a culture that has misunderstood that protection, has made fun of that protection. And we've got swept up in it. Sometimes just because Sex has momentum. Never thought we'd get to this place. We never thought we'd uh, 
go there, but we have. So God, I just ask that you would reach out and talk to people this morning. Some of them need to understand that you've forgiven them. Some of them need to make a decision about what direction they're going to go, what choices they're going to make. And you want to be a part of that conversation with them. So I just ask that you would stir their heart. God, you love us. Your call to follow after you is a call for our own protection, and I ask that we would heed it. Thank you for your love. Allow us to be honest about the kind of outcomes that we want in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you're able to experience what's happening here at Waypoint Community Church through our podcasts. Our prayer is that these resources are a blessing to you. Please be sure to catch us again next time.